Friends, we celebrate the solemnity when it falls on a Sunday. It's a solemnity, but normally it's the Feast of the Transfiguration. And uh, the, our Eastern Church, the Orthodox, uh, um, they celebrate it also. Um, they refer to it as a theophany. And uh, on the Roman side, the Western Church, we see it more as an epiphany, but I understand why they would see it as a theophany. And uh, um, last night I was looking, and uh, this feast was celebrated first in Syria in the 4th century. And then uh, it had something to do with a, a victory over a war. And sometimes this is how the church uh, remembers and unders, understands. Uh, but 40 days from now will be the exaltation of the cross, the celebration, the feast of the exaltation of the cross. And uh, everyone's uh, you're like, Father, what are you talking about these words for? Well, uh, they, have, they matter. Um, a theophany, as we understand it, a theophany is, and it's hard for me to describe it, it's like God talking to himself. Uh, so on this mountain, we hear God the Father speaking to the Son. You're my Son, and, I, and you're doing good jobs. And uh, the Holy Spirit is present uh, with the cloud. Uh, the epiphany is God saying something to us. Uh, so I understand why the, our church is saying uh, it's an epiphany. The Orthodox saying it's a theophany. It's really both when you think about it. And uh, um, my friends, uh, the Greek word that's used uh, for um, the translation uh, is metamorphosis. <laughs> so can you imagine the feast of the metamorphosis? <laughs> that sounds like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> Uh, but so the church understands and said so we will call it uh, the closest thing to it, the transfiguration. Metamorphosis is a change of character, a presence. Uh, and transfiguration has those same tones to it. Um, and my friends, uh, we have a lot of, uh, in our time now, we have a lot of technical and scientific knowledge. And, uh, and yet uh, there's still things that we do not understand about the workings of creation and uh, and of our world and of our universe. I mean, every day we hear um, the scientists talking about, oh my goodness, we found this over there. Oh, there's a now discovered planet that's been in our solar system. I'm like, how long have you been looking at our solar system? <laughs> For a hundred years. And you're just now seeing that there's another planet? Um, and um, science can't explain everything. Uh, although science tries, uh, my friends, I was in my car driving and I was actually singing I was singing hymns, and the car talked to me and said, I'm sorry, I do not understand that. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not talking to you. And then I thought, what am I talking to my car for? <laughs> but it was Google picking up words, and, and I thought, oh, mind your own business. You know, and, I, and then I thought, now, I've, now your television can order your food for you, and your television can talk to the other technology in your house, and I thought, I don't want my television talking to Alexa. Uh, order him an audio book, because he's watching nonsense on TV 24-7. Can you imagine? I'm like, going into your own house, and uh, then you start feeling, are you guys talking about me? Are you talking about me? Who's talking about me? Is Alexa, are you talking about me? Uh, you see? Um, and yet, uh, some of us cannot live without it, and some of us, we uh, live with tension with it. And um, my friends, uh, as as we continue to progress as humans and stuff, we, um, you know, uh, 
we can ask those questions. Exactly why does the Earth rotate the way it does? Uh, uh, we can speak a lot about gravity, but science still does not know exactly how it works. We know it does because we benefit from it. Um, science can barely explain what makes a seed buried in the earth grow into the tree or plant that it is with the help of soil and sunshine and rain, let alone the mystery still contained in the human cell and all of its workings. The fact that all these things work is amazing. And so we celebrate today another one of the mysteries of our faith. We celebrate a great mystery which we call the Paschal Mystery. It is God the Father's plan that his only begotten Son would go from suffering to joy, from humiliation in this world to glory throughout all the universes, and from human death to eternal life. Jesus died, then he was buried, and if you will, planted like a seed in the earth. His Father's glory like the sun and the Spirit's life-giving power like the rain came upon Jesus of Nazareth, his body, and he rose from the dead in glorious splendor. The transfiguration that we celebrate, the transfiguration of Jesus of Nazareth, was a gift first and foremost to the apostles to prepare them for the ordeal, the event of Jesus' passion and death. Before they had scaled the mountain, Jesus had told them, they are going to take me, they are going to torture me, and they will execute me. This is the conversation before this event today. So they go up on the mountain, and there's an event that happens for them. It was meant to uh, strengthen their faith of, because of that day of trial that was coming. So that remembering Jesus' glory on the mountain, they could endure what was to come. And to do so, not only with great sadness, but with hope in their hearts about the resurrection. Because Jesus told them also, they're going to do these things, but I'm going to rise from the dead. And yet the scandal of the cross was too much for them. It didn't seem to resolve itself until Jesus actually rose from the dead and was speaking with them. As modern-day Christians, we are blessed to have hindsight. We can look back in faith upon the Paschal mystery to believe that Jesus died and yet was raised up, to realize that the transfer, transfiguration was a prelude, a foreshadowing uh, to the resurrection. And all of this takes place for our benefit, for our salvation. The theophany part, um, we don't know what Jesus was talking with Moses and Elijah about. It's not, we're not told. He was in a conversation with them. Uh, but there's a little note in this. Uh, uh, Peter said, well, you know, let's build a tent where in the first reading, Daniel has a vision. God's trying to communicate to him a message. So he sees uh, this, oh, there's this, this ancient one sitting on his throne. There's fire everywhere. And then there's someone that looks like a human being on a cloud. Only, uh, only a deity can be on a cloud, but yet there's this human. Uh, so he's trying to communicate 
to the prophet about something, this transfiguration was much more than that, meaning a vision. They weren't dreaming. Because Peter says, let's build a tent for each of them. So they must have been very much lifelike, very natural looking to them outside of the great light. That's not so natural. Um, but that meant the presence of God. Uh, the apostles being Jewish, they would understood Shekinah. This means that God the Father is present. Of course, then they hear and they are overwhelmed and become terrified. To which Jesus says, get up and don't be afraid. Meaning, don't be overcome. The translation says, don't be afraid, but the, the tone of the Greek is, don't be overcome by fear. That's why he says, get up. Most of the time when you become overcome by fear, you fall down. So Jesus says, get up. My friends, I bring this up because in our lives, in this world, we have moments of great splendor and joy, but we also have moments that seem to want to break us, seem to want to steal hope from us. And one of the greatest of those are when a loved one dies. When someone we love dies, we may be inclined uh, to think that all the things that we read about in the scriptures, the aspect of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of his faithful ones, we begin to question it. And does it make sense? It's just some fanciful thinking. In the second reading, uh, Peter says, we're not telling you some silly story. He calls it a myth. We're not talking to you about that. We're, not, we're talking about something that happened, that is real. And my friends, uh, as a reminder, they saw the glory of Jesus Christ, and he was no longer just some man, some rabbi, uh, for the glory of God shone not only around him, but outside of him, <clears throat> from inside. Then they knew this was no mere human being. And yet on that day, on the other hill, when they would crucify him, they ran away in fear. They kind of forgot about the transfiguration. We can understand. And my friends, when faced with our own impending death, we too can be tempted to be in fear and to think, will we just disintegrate, will our bodies just turn to dust and to nothingness, or will I just move into non-existence? And we may ask ourselves, can it be true, everything that were in the scriptures, the wonderful promise of the resurrection, the transfiguration is a foreshadowing not only of Jesus Christ, but for anyone who will believe in him. The same thing will happen for you. The book of wisdom says the dead to the foolish of this world, they seem gone and dead, and yet they exist. And the fuller reading says, and they move about like sparks from a fire. This is Old Testament talking this way. So the transfiguration, not only is it revealing something about Jesus, but about his followers. What will happen? We can ask ourselves, is this wonderful promise then of the resurrection to fullness of life, is it true? And Jesus has given us his word, his promise about the resurrection, a guarantee for all who will have faith in him and believe in his Father. And it becomes then a piece of hope for us, 
Jesus' words, his promise. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I will raise you on the last day. When the gospel is proclaimed in faith, with respect and dignity, we stand. All of the scriptures are sacred, but the first and second readings from Old Testament and from the epistles, you remain seated. But at the proclamation of the gospel, you stand. We stand out of respect, out of dignity, but standing is also a symbol of faith and of courage. So we stand to hear his words. And at the same time, you stand in process to the sanctuary to receive the Holy Eucharist, the bread and wine that has been transfigured, changed completely into the very body, blood, and soul, and divinity of Jesus. And in this instance, the standing up and processing is a sign of your faith in the resurrection. God who guides all the mysteries of this universe will not fail to lead you to fullness of life. If we are to understand fully the meaning of the Paschal mystery and the transfiguration, the message of it, and enter into that fullness of Jesus' glorification, you and I must be open to a transfiguration of ourselves now, of our lives and about our destiny. We must let go of fears that paralyze us and doubts that cause us not to sleep at night. We have to broaden our vision and horizons beyond what this world tells us and listen to Jesus opening the holy mysteries of our redemption and revealing the remarkable compassion and mercy and forgiveness and care and charity of his Father. You and I must allow Jesus to transfigure us. For you, Jesus, are the resurrection and the life and repose of the souls of your faithful ones. Christ our God, to you we ascribe glory and power and honor, together with the Father who is from everlasting, the life-giving Holy Spirit now until ages upon the ages. My friends, so what do you do now? Now, St. Paul writes to Ephesians, be imitators of God as his beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live then as children of light. For light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And you know what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not tell me you do not know. You do. Most of us don't want to do it. To forgive. To have compassion. To have mercy. To make those tough decisions grounded in faith and right morals. Many people would rather listen to Alexa or Google or to the world. Listen to Jesus. When Jesus speaks, it is God who speaks. When Jesus acts, it is God who acts. So if you don't know what to do, look at him, look at his life, and you will see he is the perfect icon of the Father. Jesus is the perfect human person, and he taught us how to navigate this world 
And as you remember his story, the world was not kind to him. Last night I shared with uh, the folks the homily is slightly different. I'm doing a three-part homily, so each of the masses are going to get a different piece of the homily because if I give the one homily, then it's 30 minutes, <laughs> and I get emails. <laughs> so my friends, uh, my parents, both my mother and my father, both died from cancer. My father suffered greatly. And in that, he was afraid, but first he was angry. And then he became afraid. And towards the end, the pain was great for him. And the hospice nurse said, we cannot give any more medicine. If we do, he will die. Almost indicating, asking if this is what we wanted. No. No. We are to be with our loved ones and journey with them as far as we can go. But we do not kill them with medicine. Because something great awaits. My mother would die from the same type of cancer. It was a little bit different for her because she had Alzheimer's. So the Alzheimer's was like a blanket or almost a veil that she could not understand. And her suffering was different. But I remember the story of the transfiguration. I'm not going to tell you it was not hard. Their life was never easy. Being Mexican, they were discriminated against. We were poor, homeless. And writing a story, I would not have written it, and then he died suffering in cancer. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is, and he remained faithful. And so he was transfigured. And I thought, I remember reading, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from the sky like fire. And then I thought about the transfiguration. But our loved ones then enter up into heaven like fire, sparkling. The transfiguration is a promise for all those. And I believe some of the saints who say those who suffer in this world greatly are going to burn even brighter because of it. So that is where my consolation came that my parents suffered. And they did so with dignity. And they got upset with God. But we made sure, we, the children, made sure that they didn't turn their back. And so this is what a community does. They walk with the person who suffers. I may not be able to cure cancer, but I can walk with them. Because most of the time as priests, what I hear is, I am alone. No, you are not alone. And in the end, we stand with them and speak to them and let them know we are there. And then we tell them, we will see you again. Go. Go. Fly. Go. This is what Jesus was telling us about for he would experience the same thing. So for our members, who may have family members in this, walk with them. Jesus says, rise, do not be afraid. Walk 
with them. Be with them. And then tell them, we will see you again soon. Remind them not to be afraid. 